I can hear it, yeah. Okay. I just wrote, I just said that the Hawkins girl's head was severed and taken up the road about 25 to 50 yards and buried in a location about 10 yards west of the road on a rocky hillside. This is Sherry Wilson, and this is the Outline of a Murderer, uh, True Crime, the Smart Crime Podcast. Now, we are in Texas in September, and there is rain and thunder. So if you hear that in the background, just add to the creepy vibe. Or right. hell. Hell is, is uh, possible in this one. <laughs> so uh, we finished off with the fact that Ted Bundy was now dating... Carol, what was her last name? Uh, Carol Boone. Yeah, Carol Ann Boone, when she was, when he was also dating Elizabeth. And, uh, oh, it was also. Yeah, yeah. He actually had several girlfriends. Wait till we get to the end when we, when you realize, wow, the stuff he did to her was unbelievable. And, um, now here's where we're going to get into the murders. Okay, so now we're getting into, this is what's going on here. So, Elizabeth lived near Universi University District, and she felt pretty safe where she lived. It's obviously close to the university. That's why they called it that. And I guess four men rented the upstairs rooms and uh, bedroom, and then two more were in the basement. And so she knew help was at hand if she ever needed it. She could just call them. Until early January 1974. So, a silent intruder slipped into the home of Karen Sparks, a University of Washington student, while she slept, and then beat her before sexually assaulting her. Her roommates were home, but they heard nothing at all. She was discovered the next day, and she was in a coma for 10 days. She survived, but she lived with permanent disabilities, and she doesn't remember the attack at all. I remember her. Okay, I didn't remember her at all. Well, when I saw the documentary, okay, I remember she actually um, gave interviews and whatnot. Oh, okay, yeah, I know who she is. Okay, so then that was um, January, and then later, close to February, on January 31st, Linda Ann Healy, another University of Washington student, disappeared from her bedroom in the basement of a house a few blocks from Elizabeth. So now we've got two ladies by Elizabeth's house. She had stayed up uh, late watching TV with her friends, and then the next morning, one of her roommates entered her room to look for her because her alarm clock kept buzzing. And uh, her bed was neatly made, and she was gone. So she was left in a basement of a house? No, she was gone. Yeah, yeah, She. Uh, they didn't find her at all. They just saw her bed neatly made. Uh, her alarm clock was buzzing, which, if you remember the alarm clocks back in the day, oh my gosh, they were seriously loud. Right. And when they go in there, they see her bed made, but she was gone. Now, the last they saw her, she was there watching TV. And then in the morning, they called the police. When they pulled back the covers, they found blood on her pillow and on her nightgown that was hung in the closet. Oh, that's bizarre. That's weird. It is bizarre. To actually take it off, obviously, okay, but to hang it in the closet. Yeah, but he, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but he was actually very neat and tidy. He didn't like things out of place. So it is weird that he would take the time to do that, um, but it makes you wonder if it's because he's a neat and tidy Supposedly, that's his second victim, and he took the time to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, again, I don't think it was. Okay. So, in February, I had no idea about this one. A little girl who lived uh, south of University District disappeared while playing in the front yard. 
And then in June, George Ann Hawkins disappeared without a trace, walking home from her boyfriend's fraternity house to her sorority house three blocks from Elizabeth. See, this is what was crazy. When I was reading the book, all of a sudden I realized her her location became his killing ground. Yeah. How old was the little girl? I think she was like 12 or 13. It's mm-hmm. in my timeline. Now, he killed another 12-year-old in Florida. I for, I either didn't know or I f- completely forgot. Um, I don't know. With a sexual... I don't think they ever found her, the little girl. And her name's not mentioned anywhere either. Was she sexually assaulted? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. So let me see here. We've got, um, yeah, it doesn't say. So I don't know if maybe the family didn't want her name known. They didn't want her out. You know, I don't know. But anyway, so a little girl. So he's already got a little girl that's, you know, and I don't even know if they tied him to that. So now we've got, you know, what, four people, four women, three women and a little girl that disappeared. Okay. So everyone was on edge and then young college students were disappearing. So that put them even more on edge and it scared Elizabeth because she's the same age. So even though she wasn't in college, she worked there. And so she's the same age, maybe a little bit older. She lived in all the areas where the disappearances were occurring. Now, at this point in the relationship, they're not doing good. They're not doing good at all. The fairy tale beginning is over. And so he began killing. Or his killing made it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, I remember reading in the book how good he was to her at first and thinking how she could become so attached. But with her you know, problems with drinking and insecurities and then his drive to kill, you can imagine it wasn't very good for the relationship. Right. <laughs> you know, being a serial killer and having a girlfriend probably wasn't the best. I know, so odd. The best thing. Now, we do know, like, BTK, bind, torture, and kill, he actually quit killing for a long time, which they didn't think serial killers did that. And it was because he got married, had a family. Mm-hmm. But then when the police started reviving the case to try to find this sicko and taunting him and taunting him. Then he came out. He couldn't resist writing letters. Yeah. And I'd like to do BTK one day. I think he's a, just a despicable human being. But what was interesting is he trusted the police. Remember he asked him, well, if I send you a type, you know, like a computer document, a disc. A disc yeah. You, you promise like you can't tell where it came from. <laughs> oh yeah. No. And, I, so so smart to commit murders and get away with it. And then, can well, I trust you, know, you to send the evidence? I have a whole business teaching people it's how crazy. to use computers. So it's not surprising. It's crazy. But he was more irritated they lied to him than anything. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, a serial killer with, with morals. Yeah, with morals. Right. To trust. Goodness. So in March, she came home. So we've got the murders so far. January and February, there's four. Uh, so in March, he came home and he was in her apartment upset and in tears about how badly he was doing in law school and he wanted to drop out. Well, I'm sure he was because he's probably obsessing about killing people. So she um, said that he put his head in my lap and cried and I stroked his hair and tried to get him to talk. I wonder if it wasn't law school, if it's like he's now a killer. I don't know. I, they say that psychopaths don't have conscience. Like, but I got one. <laughs> but of course, not I'm a not killer. a killer, but. Yeah, well, I don't think he was crying because he was killing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to have give, remorse. I, mean, I don't want to give him any sympathy whatsoever, but it just makes you wonder if it wasn't law school, it was that. Yeah, because he cared about her, cared about her, his, her daughter, was in a functioning to an extent relationship but he was cruel to her yeah towards the end when the killing began so obviously he had some sort of emotion well i would say that his the way he treated her bad started probably like in 72 uh so he hadn't killed yet supposedly but the thing is is that from the start he was treating her bad and she just didn't know it So, but it could be, it could be because performing and being the best and coming off a certain way might have made him cry. But I was just thinking about the emotional need that was being filled in her, you know, that 
here they're not doing well, but then he comes to her and she comforts him. You know, like she might have felt special knowing that he's going out on her, but he wasn't at the other places. He was with her. He picked her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she encouraged him to apply to a different law school. Maybe that would help. He did, and that's when he moved to uh, Utah and began to kill people there. So after he moves to Utah, one month later, young women start disappearing. And between then and him moving, she had contacted the police at least once, if my memory serves me right, because she's thinking he's possibly the one. But again, they dismissed it. No, we've checked him out. And Ann Rule actually called the police, too, and said, hey, I know a guy named Ted. He drives a VW. He looks kind of like the sketch, which to me, none of the sketches I look didn't like think, him. I, I didn't don't get think. sketches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some they said, look how identical it looks and it looked well, nothing like him. It's rare when I see, um, I'm trying to find my socks. Sorry, I'm looking around, <laughs> distracted. But uh, to me, it's rare that a sketch actually looks like the person. I've seen a couple where I'm all, <gasps> whoa, that does look like yeah. them. But others are like, oh, yeah, I know that person. Sure enough, it turns out to be them. And I'm like, how did yeah. you even connect the dots? So, again, month later, young women start disappearing. Now, the first to be linked to him was Melissa Smith, the daughter of a Utah police chief. Yeah, and that, and that to me would be sad. If you're a cop, I'm sure you taught your daughter how to be safe, and that would just be... I mean, all of it would be devastating, but that would be, I think, really hard. He later confessed, though, that his first victim was actually Nancy Wilcox. So uh, he had killed her two weeks before Melissa. So basically, two weeks two weeks after moving there, he started killing. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we'll go through the timeline, but... Okay, so... And yeah, that's what he did in Florida, too. Um, when he was on the run and he got to Florida, wow, yeah. he tried to not kill for two weeks. And I remember he told Ann he was trying to be a different person and not start killing like he did. He wanted a fresh start. And I'm like, oh, good for you. I'm glad you get a fresh start. Your victim's down. Right. But he really did. He was trying not to do it. And he ended up, it was like the most vicious, those girls in the sorority yes, house. It was. It's like pent up, like an animal. Yeah. So, on July 4th, now this is interesting, 1974, it was on a Thursday, and uh, Elizabeth had a four-day weekend, okay? So, both of them piled into his VW with his rubber raft and her inner tubes, and they head, headed to the Yakima River, drank beer, suntanned, floated down the river, hardly said anything, just enjoying a lazy afternoon. About an hour later, Elizabeth was sitting on the edge of the raft, relaxing, when without warning, Ted lunged at her, put his hands on her shoulders, and pushed her into the icy river. So, um, listen to this. Uh, Let me make sure. So, uh, the plunge into the icy water took my breath away. I came up sputtering and grabbed the rope on the edge of the raft, too dazed for the moment to do more than hang on. I looked up at Ted, and our eyes locked, his face had gone blank as though he was not there at all. I had a sense that he wasn't seeing me. I struggled to pull myself into the raft. He didn't move, he didn't speak. I could find no expression on his face. Why do you have to ruin everything? I began when I could finally talk. That's not funny at all. He looked at me as if I was a stranger. Then he looked away and said, it's no big deal, can't you take a joke? Now, I've heard of that, that killers will do that. It's like there's either nothing there or their eyes go blank or their eyes go black. But it's like there's nothing. They're not seeing anything. And he did that a couple times. Now, a couple of the survivors talked about his rage that they saw. But, um, yeah, he just was complete. So he tried to kill her there. So his rage just progressed. And later, she found out that one night there was like a small fire um, where the the part where she lived uh, filled up with smoke. And he admitted later that he was trying to kill her. Yeah. Yep. So this was July 4th. A week later, on July 14th, Ted went to her house in a great mood, acting like nothing had happened, you know. 
And she was hurt and mad, but she didn't want to keep, you know, fighting because that seemed like all they did. So Ted wanted to know her plans for the day. So I think like if someone says, well, what are you doing today? It'd be like, oh, you want to go? I'm going to, you know, go here and do this. Like, or, you know, like sometimes when me and Elena talk every week, it's like, you know, what have you been up to or what are you doing? You know, stuff like that. But um, she's like, well, you know, I guess he'll join me later. So she shared her plans. And uh, so she went to church and then she went to Carkeek Park where she lay on the beach reading a book and Ted never showed up. So later he called her and asked if she could have dinner with him. And he showed up sick with a really bad cold and he looked exhausted. So she asked, what have you been doing? He said, well, he just cleaned his car and then helped his landlord with yard work. Um, if I suspected that he maybe was a killer, I, that would be weird to me. Like, why did you ask me what I'm doing if he had no intention on show, on showing up? You know, so, And then the exhaustion. Yeah. That'd be a flag for me. Yeah. And uh, people said later he cleaned his car more than anybody they ever saw. And they said it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a piece of crap car. It wasn't like, you know, your, your car that's really nice. I mean, it and he cleaned it all the time. DNA. All the time. Yeah. So, but was it well, they DNA? Well, they didn't have DNA then. then. Yeah, so but hairs. Well, I think oh, it'd be hairs, yeah. fingerprints, blood. You know, he wanted to make sure all of that was out. Mm -hmm. So... They ate, went and ate hamburgers, and then they went to have ice cream, and he started feeling really, really sick, so he went home. Uh, she took him some orange juice, some chicken soup, and a book that Monday after work. Now, on Wednesday, the 17th, she saw that two young women, Denise Nasland and Janice Ott, had disappeared hours apart from Lake uh, Sammamish State Park that Sunday with 40,000 people there. And How Sunday was crazy. July 14th. Witnesses described a man with his arm in a sling, a smooth talker, possibly with a British accent. Well, he's brazen, isn't he? Y'all remember the British accent? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I find it interesting that he was talking to her in a British accent when she met him at the bar. Why? He was planning she was going to be a victim. I think so, too. Well, and uh, thinking about that, so you're talking to a man at a bar, he has a British accent, and the next morning he's not there. That would be a red That's flag. True. Right. What are you doing? What? Yes. Why? Why do you have an accent? Yeah. And so that's why I think, and again, we'll probably never know, but I think he had killed before. Why would he have a British accent talking to her the first time? Because he used that accent with his victims. Unless he was just practicing. Unless he just liked doing it because he sounded more sophisticated. I don't know. But I just, it's hard to believe he had not killed before. And I could see it putting people at ease and, and like um, intriguing people. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, British accent. Because it's a very attractive accent. That's for true. A woman. That is true. Accents are attractive. I mean, I changed Siri to the Australian dude. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, they also said he was wearing expensive-looking tennis clothes and that his name was Ted. So he asked her to help him put his sailboat on top of his bronze metallic-colored Volkswagen. The young lady's photos looked like all the other women who had disappeared from Elizabeth's neighborhood. Young, attractive, and long hair. Were they typically brunettes? Yes, but there were some that were blonde. In seven months, as many uh, as seven young women had vanished wow. from the Northwest. One, Donna Manson, had disappeared from a campus in Olympia, and that was a city that Ted sometimes stayed in with a friend. And then Susan Rancourt disappeared from central Washington State about two hours from Seattle. And then Roberta Kathleen Parks disappeared from Oregon State University in Corvallis, 235 miles from Seattle. And then later Brenda Hall was added to the list of missing students when she disappeared June 1st at 2 a.m. at the Flame Tavern in Seattle. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they had gone to the Flame Tavern a few times. So, so that is a significant amount of women within a short time. If all of a sudden, that's when he began. He was averaging one a month. And this, and these states didn't connect any of them? No. And, you know, back then, um, 
they didn't have like they didn't work together and have the technology and stuff that they do now. But even today, you know, like they'll get um, that, that tunnel vision where they don't connect other cases as possibly being related. Mm -hmm. So they're getting better at it. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't connect it at all. So at this point, Elizabeth sees the sketch of Ted and she didn't think he looked anything like Ted or anyone she knew. And so, um, and then it's like, okay, you got the ladies disappearing in Washington, the ladies disappearing in Oregon, and then there were two that disappeared in Colorado. And uh, that was, um, a, and I want to talk about this one in our after show com combo, because she was at like a an inn, and the way she disappeared, yes. like, Without That's a trace. Heartbreaking. Yeah, I think she went to the elevator or something. Yeah, to get her magazine yeah. from her, her room. And it was like, without a trace, she's gone. And so that one I thought was always sad. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth um, didn't really, I mean, she started having some bad feelings and things, but her suspicion really started Monday, July 22nd. So um, let me uh, read what happened. So she was at work. And she's having coffee with one of the men I worked with. And as they were walking back through the long corridor from the hospital cafeteria, he pulled a newspaper clipping from his pocket, handed it to me, and says, Don't you think this looks like someone you know? The clipping was another police sketch, this one from the Seattle Times. And I didn't read the Times regularly, hadn't seen the sketch before. Underneath the picture, my friend had underlined the name T uh, Ted. Then he says, Doesn't your Ted have a VW? In a joking way. But not metallic, I said. Now, the drawing did vaguely look like Ted. I tried to laugh, but it stuck in my throat. I went back to my desk and stared at the clipping, then put it in my pocket. I took it out several times to look at it, put it back. I couldn't concentrate, you know, on her work, and she just watched the clock until she could get off. But she also knows her discrepancies, like the jawline was similar, you know, to him. The little laugh lines around the eyes were similar. Um, and she said, there was a quality about Ted's eyes that I saw in the drawing, but there are discrepancies, discrepancies too, like straight hair versus curly, things like that. That would be significant. Yeah. But she still freaked out enough to go over to Angie's houseboat. Remember her best friend? And, um, she needed to talk. So she got her six pack of beer, went over there and Angie's like, what is wrong? You look awful. And she said, Angie, you have to promise me that you'll never tell anyone about this. I think I'm going crazy. So she shoves a newspaper clipping and a photo of Ted at her friend. And uh, she looked from one to the other and then was like, so? And she's, well, I know I'm crazy, but I think they look a little alike. And then there's all the coincidences. It's just weird. Okay, she said, stop saying you're crazy and weird and we'll talk. Where did you get this picture? You know, blah, blah. So she told her what all happened. But she, then she goes, the accent. Because she remembered that. The witnesses said the suspect had a British accent. You remember the first night we met Ted in the bar? We thought he was from back east because of the way he talks. The suspect wore expensive-looking tennis shoes, and you know how Ted dresses in the best of everything. So she's like, well, just because he wears Adidas doesn't make him a murderer. Weren't you with him last Sunday? She said, in the evening, but I spent uh, the day by myself. Remember, he asked her about her plans. Then she also noticed when she was at his apartment that he had plaster of Paris. Oh. And she um, was going through, I guess, his desk drawers when he was taking a bath. And she goes, you know how snoopy I am. And she found the plaster of Paris at the back of the drawer. And when she asked Ted about it, he said he didn't know why, but he had taken it when he was working at a medical supply house. Now, he was a thief. In fact, they got in a huge fight because he kept stealing things. And um, so he was definitely a thief. And he said that uh, a person never could tell when he was going to break a leg. And they both laughed. So um, they talked about how his VW wasn't, you know, metallic and things like that. Um, but she's starting to think, okay, something's going on. And that's when Angie said, to make you feel better, talk to the police. And did she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took her a little bit of time to work up the courage. One thing I remember on the stealing is that he was proud of it because he could get away with it. Mm -hmm. He told her he could he would never get caught. And yeah. She knew about the stealing. Yeah, it was a big because she was more worried they would ruin his like 
career. You know, you can't be a lawyer with a criminal record, but it was. It was a challenge. It was a way to, you know, get one better on society and things like that. So Angie thought it was ridiculous, but she did encourage her. Um, now, Ted stole things just for fun, he said, but this was a far cry from murdering young women. You know, she's like, okay, yeah, I can admit he's a thief, but we now know criminal petty behavior or petty criminal behavior is actually a sign of progression for some people to murder. And again, it's another flag. I mean, you're considering that he's a, a killer. You're freaking out over a sketch. He put her, pushed her underwater in the river. You have the connection of the British accent, but yet she continued to be with him. I mean, those are significant flags. Don't dismiss the flags. Yeah. The, the, the yeah, the stealing. Even. Well, even after he got arrested for attempted kidnapping in Utah, she stayed with him. Yeah. Yeah. Low self-esteem, like you said earlier, I think. Yeah. I just, like, it, you know... I know there are some people that are shocked that their spouse did that. You know, like um, the daughter of BTK said, I was like, you have to have the wrong person. There's no way my dad did that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it would be like one day coming home and Mike's arrested for being a serial killer. Like, I think that's kind of how it is, except that there are flags. Big. Yeah. Mm hmm So... Anyway, she knew something was weird. Her gut was telling her, but she said, I always made excuses for him. But when he continued to rip things off, even after he got good jobs, well, I started to think there might be something more to it. Like maybe he enjoys getting away with the con. Each episode, we like to give helpful resources for those of you that might be in abusive relationships and you need to find a way out. Uh, even though Ted Bundy was never in the military, I wanted to share a resource for those of you that are. Uh, one is called militaryonesource.mil, and this is a great website to help you get help if you are in the military or married to someone in the military. They also have a really quick safety alert where you can click exit site, and it will take you to a weather uh, website. The other one is called womenslaw.org. It's also for those that are suffering domestic violence in the military. So we've got all of these resources on our website. If you are in trouble or you're trying to find a way uh, to get out, please visit outlineofamurder.com and look at some of those resources and get some help. Well, if he enjoyed that and was proud of that, just think what murder did to him. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um... So they decided, okay, well, let's find out if the VW is actually metallic because his wasn't. His was like a, just a tan color. Mm -hmm. And so they call and they're like, okay, if it's metallic, it eliminates Ted because we know, you know, that his isn't metallic. So um, they didn't call from Angie's. They were afraid that the call would be traced. So they drove to a phone booth in a supermarket and called the Ted hotline. Yes, the VW was metallic. No one mentioned the suspect wearing a watch, which Ted always did. So they asked about that as well. And nope, they, but I'm like, how would they even know? I mean, I guess witnesses, but I probably wouldn't notice someone's wearing a watch. Mm -hmm. So then they went to the university library and read all the newspaper stories and learned everything they could to find even more proof that this wasn't her Ted. Right. So she dropped Angie off, drove to, drove to Ted's, hoping he was there, and she wanted to see that he was the same Ted she knew, and he was. And then while she was there, she was looking over every detail of his room like she was seeing it for the first time, just looking. But she didn't discuss it with him, her suspicions? No. Heck no. Right. I wouldn't well, either. She <laughs> confronted him with other things. Yeah, I... Yeah, but again, no. she's still trying to dismiss right. that yeah. it's him. And I've always found it fascinating. He used his real name. I find it fascinating, too. And I think that's the arrogance. I think that's the arrogance of him. Like, he thought he could get away with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, she did notice two crutches in a corner. And Red then flag. she also noticed a big knife in his desk. That's unusual. Yeah. So Ted went home with her. They had sex and fell asleep together. Hold on, by his bed. Mm -hmm. That makes you wonder if he was bringing 
women home. Well, it's interesting you say that. Um, He did later say that he burned the skull of one of his victims in her fireplace at her apartment, and she never knew. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, one of the key things that I take away from Elizabeth is the need for us to trust our gut feelings. Elizabeth could not shake the feeling that something was wrong, especially when young women were disappearing wherever he went. Remember that two young women, Melissa Smith and Nancy, disappeared in Utah. Also, more had disappeared in other parts of Washington and Oregon, Oregon in places Elizabeth knew Bundy had been. And then, of course, the Lake Sammamish situation really concerned her. She kept going over the details of Sunday, July 14th, when the two young women disappeared from the lake. They didn't know when Janice Ott disappeared, but they were pretty sure Denise Naslin disappeared around 4. It was 5 or 5.30 when Bundy called her to have dinner that same day. And then why did he go to Lake Sammamish July 7th? So why was he there? Because he had gone there that day, and she's like, why did you go? Oh, I just, you know, was just hanging out, looking around. And he told her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and what was weird, too, is neither she nor Bundy had been there before. She just didn't understand why would you just go there by yourself And what's sad about Janice and Denise is I found out later that I don't know if he took, um, I think he took Janet first and then Denise, but he tied Janet up to a tree and then went and got Denise and um, killed one. And then the other one had to watch and they killed her. So that must have carried out a desire in him. Yeah. It is really sad. Because I don't think he, well, I mean... I, I mean, you sh- he he would pick just one at a time. Right. This was two, and then the sorority house. And I think it's numerous. probably the challenge of it as well. Can I do two? Can I can I get away with it? You know, I think that was maybe a factor as well. Um, I just can't imagine the terror that one felt. That to me is very a very sad situation. And um, so she convinced her friend, Angie, to have dinner with them so she could see if he still looked normal. So you can see this progression. She's thinking, this guy's a killer. Like, it's starting to really sink in that something's wrong here. But what was she expecting to see the normal part? That's what she kept, she kept saying. Like, what do you expect to see? Right. Because it's not like a serial killer is going to say, hey, you know, I killed somebody today. You know, right. maybe she was looking for <laughs> sadness or restlessness or he ex- remorse. He had all that. Yeah. You know, at different times. He did. I don't know what she was expecting to see. Yeah. <sighs> remorse. Maybe. But they don't think the same way as us. So I'm not even sure she knows what she was looking for. You know, I think she was just wanting him to be good old Ted. Yeah. Sad. Like you had this, um, I don't know if I had this picture up. Um, but they've been trying to identify this woman because, I mean, he just looks, again, this is what fascinates me about Ted Bundy is how normal he looks. And so there is a picture of him, um, oh, here it is, doing dishes. Oh, she's beautiful. Yeah. But she's blonde. Yeah. And they don't know who she was. That's the second picture with his tongue sticking out. Mm-hmm. Was that normal for him? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, here he is with a towel dripped over his shoulder. He looks completely normal, you know. They haven't identified her? No. But uh, she doesn't look like any of the victims no. that disappeared. So she's. they don't think that he killed her. But, yeah, when they got to dinner that night, I mean, he was normal. They talked and laughed, and it was like nothing was going on. And so... That, again, epitomizes, this is why he is so fascinating to me, it epitomizes the whole, he looks so normal, people just cannot fathom him being a serial killer. And he seemed to be a functioning human being, a citizen of, you know, the community involved in politics, going to law school. Yeah. But there were some signs that people weren't seeing that he hid very well, and there were some, especially men, that did not like him, and they they were thinking he was up to no good. And there were times he could be a jerk, a jerk. So it it really just depends on who you talk to, you know. But yeah, he just seemed every day. So during this time, she's talking to him every single day, 
and helping him get ready for law school. Now, don't forget, he's dating Carol Boone, too. And she has no idea. And uh, so he's finished up some things in Seattle. So she flew all the way to Utah to visit her family. And then while she was there, she agreed to look for some places for him to live. Yeah, she's been over backwards. And um, she did say that it seemed like she was doing all the work. You know, like she's looking for a place for him to live and doing this for him and doing that for him. So basically she was just, I guess, his maid. But it's a typical psychopathic tendency to manipulate and get people to do things for you that normally they wouldn't. Right. Okay. So here she thinks he might be a serial killer. She knows he's unfaithful and uncommitted, and she's helping him anyway. And that's why I say she was addicted. She was addicted to him. The intense emotional connection from the start was something that she's always chasing after like a carrot before and even though she knew it wasn't going to work. So she and Molly flew back to Seattle from you know, that trip there, landing at 9 in the morning, and they thought Bundy would be there to greet him, and he wasn't. So they headed for the subway train, you know, to, to get a ride um, home to the main terminal. And when the door opened, there he was, all his curly hair gone. It changed his appearance drastically, and it shocked her. And Molly thought it looked funny and then happily chattered all the way home. So was it straight? Well, he cut it so short. So, like, I've got this picture here, and we were only sitting with long hair. We were talking about it. Um, how this right here, this picture. So, you see the different looks that he has. Drastic. It's very drastic. Like I I wouldn't know that those two are the same. And so, I'm thinking his hair was probably that short. At the top, just really, it really short. Change his appearance. Yeah, it changes his appearance drastically. Now, at the bottom picture, that that swollen area is when he got hit in the face with the butt of a gun, running from cops. Yeah. But yeah, he looks totally different. And you know, the normal aspect of him, I remember when I was getting my course put together, um, and I was doing the lie detection face. And so I thought, hey, I wonder if politicians lie better than serial killers. So I did the um, Bill Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, you know. So I had to slow him down to see if he was lying. But I could tell that Ted Bundy was lying all over the place in the trial. But what was weird is as I saw him defending himself, I was having to remind myself he was a serial killer. That's how normal he was. I'm like, okay, this guy brutally murdered, you know, women. So he was acting like a performer. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so after you know they get home, Molly wanted to go out and swim, so they go to Green Lake, and they had a picnic. And then Molly swam behind Bundy as he rode the raft, but he got so far ahead of her that she got tired and got scared. So, of course, they get in a fight. Him and Elizabeth, like, why are you so hard on her? And they decide to leave. She reached under the front seat to get Molly's stray sock, and her fingers touched a hatchet. Ooh. A hatchet! Surely that made her say, you know, that's enough. Yeah, that's not normal. I I mean, even, I may have a hatchet if I need to do something like, you know, cut down a shrub, but I'm going to put it back in the garage. I'm not going to have it underneath my seat in the car. So she asked him, he said, well, I had to chop down a tree at my parents' house. So, But the hatchet. Yeah. (laughs) So so It's a small tree. You think he's a killer. He's tried to kill you, but she didn't interpret it that way. And I could see that. Um... And then she finds a hatchet. And yeah. did she stay? Uh-huh. Yep, Again. so they went home. Stayed. Yep, and drank, and she drank, and she drank. She's numbing herself. And she drank. So much so that she started crying and couldn't stop. So she told him it was because he was leaving. That's why she was so sad. Um, he said, it's just because you're drunk. That's why you're crying. So, But it was actually that she was scared to death. He could hurt her, Molly. So you drink. Okay. And she was afraid that he would find out what she was thinking. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, that's probably not a time to drink because you don't want him to know that. Right. I thought back over the years with Ted trying to find what I might have overlooked before. He was not a violent person. When we argued, he was always calm and reasonable. I was the one who lost control and yelled. 
I could count on the fingers of one hand the times that Ted had lost his temper since I'd known him. One of the times was afternoon Molly and I had stopped by his room and found that he had redecorated with a new television, new stereo, new typewriter, and several other things I knew that he didn't have the money to buy. I said, you're nothing but a thief, I blurted out. He grabbed my arm and said, if you ever tell anyone about this, I'll break your effing neck. Later that night, he came to my place crying, saying he didn't understand himself or why he took those things. He'd given me a beautiful cutting board the previous Christmas. Had he stolen that? Had he stolen the presents he had given Molly? He confessed he had. I tried to explain to him that I would rather have no present than a stolen present. It wasn't so much the morality of it. I was afraid that he'd be arrested for shoplifting, so he swore up and down that he wouldn't steal any more. But what stood out in my mind now, looking back, was his threat. To break my effing neck. Right. <laughs> right. That would, yeah. So I spent a lot of time, time trying to figure out why would I even be thinking these terrible thoughts? Was I going crazy? Was it jealousy? Why did I try to keep building the case against Ted? I tried praying. That didn't help. The only thing that did help was being with Ted. He was so normal, so absorbed in what he was doing and planning. He was looking for an old truck to move his things, and he was making lists of things for the move, and he was collecting pots and plant pans for his new kitchen, and was excited about having a whole apartment to himself, not just a room. And I was still wondering what would become of the two of us. The thing is, is it's not okay for someone to threaten another person's life. So that's that should be a deal breaker for anybody. Nobody I don't understand be the crying for someone when like him. Why he would cry. That is weird. Why that, would he cry? Yeah. That is weird. Uh, but again, I mean, it could just be that he felt like he was a failure, you know, and that's why he was, he was or crying. Act. He didn't it seem could to have been value an act. her. No, he did not value her. No, I think she actually gave him a semblance of a normal life to keep him off the radar of the police. That's what I think. So, um... I, I mean, I'm sure you can just imagine the, the roller coaster she's on. I mean, this, to me, would be terrible. You love this man, but you're also wondering if he's a killer. She can't think clearly. No, no. And drinking to none by yeah. herself. And, and then she wants to be around him because he seems so normal. He must have been very charismatic. And he was. Like, engaging and engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Uh, so, you know. That would be like, okay, everything's fine. My fears are ridiculous. And then something would happen that would trigger again that maybe he's a sicko. So on August 8th, so at this point he's killed several women. Um, she was taking her morning coffee, br- coffee break and reading the newspaper out in the sun. She then saw a story headlined, UW co-ed's encounter with a man like Ted. And it seems that a young student was walking in front of the Beta Theta Pi Fraternity House at about 12.30 that morning on June 11th. That was the same night George Ann Hawkins disappeared. And she saw a man on crutches carrying a briefcase, and he kept dropping it, you know, like he needs help. And uh, she could tell he was struggling, so she helped him carry it as far as her boyfriend's fraternity house and said that she would need to come back out in a few minutes to help him the rest of the way to his car. But she ended up staying for an hour, and when she came back out, he was gone. George Ann was last seen at 1 a.m. Once again, Elizabeth is thrown into a panic. She sees the crutches in his room and a plaster of Paris, so she calls Angie. She calls the police. So this is the first of three, August, November, and December in 74. And each freaking time she was dismissed. That just makes me so mad. That but, happens so often. What are they looking for? I mean, how many times does she need to call? <laughs> but again, it'd be hard to time to it. If you have a tip line, though, they get thousands. They do. Thousands. That's, That's true. That's no excuse. But, That's true. And it depends who's answering. Are you guys cold yes, we I need am. to turn <laughs> so i'm like perfect this is like whoo now my feet are getting cold uh so each time she was dismissed and they still spent time together until labor day weekend oh that's weird Ooh, we're recording this on labor day weekend that's when he w- went to utah ew ooh, i don't like that so in mid-september of 74 they found the bodies of two young women who had disappeared from lake sammamish So she told Bundy, hey, they found the two young girls. 
and he didn't have any re uh, reaction. Said nothing? Well, then he called and brought it up later, and he asked if any more bodies had been found. Any more? Mm-hmm. And she said, that scared the hell out of me. It's yeah. like he's testing her to mm -hmm. see what she knows. Mm -hmm. Give her a little hint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no reaction at first, but then later he wants to know, well, what else are they finding out, you know? And so then in late October, Elizabeth picked Angie up at the airport. I guess she had been there visiting someone in Utah. And she said, I don't want to scare you, but it's happening in Utah right now. So Elizabeth called the King County Police, and this time the detective took her more seriously. Good. And they met and discussed Ted. So, finally. Yeah, finally she has someone that is taking her seriously. And um, so they asked her, you know, like, does he have a violent temper? Um, does he put his hands on you? Does he ever hit you? And, you know, she's like, no, you know, he, he doesn't. So then he asked me if there was anything in Ted's background that would affect the way he felt about women, and I told him that Ted was illegitimate and that he had been upset because his mom had never discussed it with him, but he was still close to his mom and his brothers and sisters. Then looking straight in my eyes, he said, what about your sex life? So, she, you know, she talks about up and down. But then he said, we had pretty good sex up until last summer. Then Ted lost all interest. He was under a lot of pressure with his job and moving and all. Maybe he had another girlfriend. I don't know. And he said, well, you know, how often positions, when and where. I bet that was because they know that they're looking for a sexual deviant because he would have sex with the dead yeah. bodies until they decayed and he couldn't anymore. Yeah. So, you know, and, and she, you know, she's like, I don't even tell Angie these things. And she's having to tell this, you know, detective. Male, too. Yeah. Maybe he positioned the women. Exactly. They're probably mm -hmm. trying to figure out on the few bodies they did find if he was trying to reenact, mm -hmm. you know, things. So I told him that in the fall of 1973, Ted had bought a copy of a book called The Joy of Sex to My House. Hey, that was back in your day. Did you ever read that? No, but I knew of it. Oh. Oh. It was okay. very popular back then. Well, oh, it appears that they taught it? bondage. <laughs> and I was really? born in 1973. Right. So we had laid in bed and read through it, and Ted sheepishly asked if we could try bondage. I said, sure. Never dreaming that a year later I'd be sitting in a car telling a stranger about it. We'd had sex that way maybe three times, but I didn't like it, so we stopped. And then they wanted to know if um, he ever had any homosexual tendencies. And I don't know why. That's a curious question. Yeah. Why? I have well, no idea. Unless there was, um, is it sodomy? Well, and... Uh, she said, she told him none during the past year that he talked about, but he had wanted anal sex several times. None in the past year that he had talked Let about. Let me read that, that again. Reaction. But during the past year, he had talked about anal sex enough to make me wonder. Okay. Okay. A victim, male victim, maybe? No, there was never any male victims tied no. to him. So the detective pulled out a piece of paper and asked me to look at it. And it was a psychological profile, a list of characteristics that a psychiatrist thought the killer would possess, I read down the list. He didn't even come close to fitting it. Oh. Yeah. So they checked in more things. He said he'd call her back. He never did. She called him. He sounded irritated. No, he hadn't checked anything out yet. He'd call her. Um, later, a witness did pull his photo from a stack and balanced on her knee, but then she said, no, he's too old. So they filed them away. But uh, eyewitness, stuff like that, it's, eyewitnesses are the worst. You know, so uh, it's you see what you want to see a lot they of times. They say you could have 10 people and they each have a different, yeah. even color of a it's car. It's a useful hair. tool, but not a deal sealer, you know. So right. um, now, uh, final thing on, in part two is she kept up to date with the news in Utah. And she read the story of a missing girl that had disappeared the evening of October 18th. Bundy just happened to be there hunting with her dad. She then read an article of a young woman that was abducted from a shopping mall. Now, that's Carol Durange. Uh, November 8th, the man posed as a police officer, except he was driving a Volkswagen. She managed to get away. And then later that night, Debbie Kent disappeared from a high school parking lot in Bountiful, Utah. Yeah. 
Was she the young girl? Was yeah. she the little one? Well, no, I think that no? she was okay. um, when she a teenager or a teacher when she at the school. I can't remember. I know the last victim was his youngest. She was from Utah and she was twelve. Well, maybe it was her. Maybe she went to the school. So at this point, Elizabeth is drinking herself to sleep every night, but that wasn't helping. She um, would wake up about two or three each night, toss and turn until the sun came up, and now she's getting uh, scared that Ted would murder her or murder Molly first and then her and then her parents when she went home for Christmas. So she's she's freaking out now. That's when she made the phone call to her dad panic that he might be the one, but he declined to help. So he declined? Mm-hmm. Why? Because he wasn't willing to ruin a man's life. So, so risk others. Your daughter, your grandbaby. Mm-hmm. So her and Molly arrived in Salt Lake City. She's exhausted, you know, obviously. Bundy threw his arms around her, rocking her, then hugged Molly, and then hugged her again. It felt good. He noticed how tired she looked. Is a magical visit. He showed them his apartment, law school, and where all he hung out. They laughed and talked and visited friends and family. But he played games with Molly, carried her niece on his shoulders, helped her mom in the kitchen, and she started feeling peace again. They did have a couple of tense times from her jealousy because she found out he was dating somebody else. She was so relieved. In March 1975, the remains of Linda Healy, Susan Rancourt, Roberta Parks, and Brenda Ball were found. Then she got suspicious again? Yeah, she went up and down. But, and it's, um, I don't know. I've got pictures. I'm going to show you the pictures of uh, Janice Ott and um, Nasland. It's so sad. So, let's see. There's love in the middle. So, this is Nasland. She's absolutely mm, gorgeous. Look at those eyes. Absolutely gorgeous. And then, um, is it that one? No, that's when he was little. Let's see. Are you looking for Oh, uh, here it is. This is Ott right there with her sister. Now, she doesn't remind me of the other victims, but she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That smile. Mm-hmm. And she was blonde. She had some blonde hair. But, and then, again, it's interesting because this is Carol Boone. Yeah. And it's like, and that's her daughter, Rose. Yeah. And it's amazing how much she does not look like any of them. She doesn't. Yeah. She resembles his mother. I don't know. the old girlfriend that that dumped him. I don't know. And we'll get into, um, like, his childhood in the after show combo. There's some really creepy stuff about his childhood. Yeah. And, yeah, the murder of the little girl in his neighborhood that I think he did. And then um, the haunted house that was tied to him. The murder might have been his first one. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been a teenager at the time. Mm -hmm. But it's never been proven. And unless there's DNA, I don't know if they ever will. Well, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. But that's it it on part two. So um, is there anything that y'all want to discuss that's fun before I start? No. You? Oh, you look like you got something. The facials were fun. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Oh, your first experience. Yes. What'd you think? I loved it. And Except the one part. That y'all did not have my back. Back, yeah. So I thought about telling you, but I was like, no, she won't do that on her. Oh, yeah. No, nope, she did. So, you know, laying there and everything smells so good. Like she used like a cherry mask on me and then this and that. Oh, my gosh. And then the heat, you know, with the... Anyway, so I'm... You know, like, what is this stuff? And I guess it's like Rhonda Allison or yes. whatever. So she, and I told her what I use and um, I didn't like the chemicals in it. And I don't want to say, you know, who it is on the podcast, but I love what they've done for my skin, but I am looking for something that's, you know, chemical free. So she said, Rhonda Allison's great. And she said, you know, just start switching as you go over, you know, when you run out of stuff, which takes forever. So me being the impatient right. person that I am, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to wait. And I can send my stuff back. I'm still in the That's return. That's my thing. That's what I do. Yeah. So anyway, um, it was great. Things are going great. She did. I don't know how many sudsy things, you know, to <laughs> me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then she goes, yeah. So you know, she puts these like things on my eyes, 
And then she brings this light over, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and she's like, you know, kind of looking, and I could feel her touch in my face. And then she goes, well, I don't think you're going to need very many, ex- or I don't think you're going to need any extractions. And then she puts the camera over, and then she, or the camera, the, the light. light. Then she does some more stuff to my face, and then she brings it back over and says, oh, oh, yeah, we're going to have to do a few extractions. So I'm like, e- extraction? What's that? What What do you mean, extraction? Like, what is that? I'm thinking, you know, like teeth, you extract teeth. What do you extract from your face? You know, are you going to extract my eyebrows? You know, I mean, what, what do you mean extraction? And then all of a sudden, pinching, you know, I thought it was her fingers at first, but it's like, ow! You know, like all around my nostrils, like she did like three or four. And that's the worst part, too. All the nerve endings, she said. So it was only like four that she extracted. Four. And so I was like, what are, are what are you using when she was done? And she's always oh, like a spoon thing, you know, and it gets yeah. them out. I'm oh, like, this is I'm getting sharp, anxious just talking yeah, about it. a sharp thing, too, that's just lovely. Yeah. So that was the only, you know, but I have to say, y'all really didn't have my back. I mean, my very first facial. But then we went and got more coffee. No, let's not change the subject. So I think that, no, no, I think an apology is necessary. Well, look at it. It was better than Christy. (laughs) Yes. A couple hours. She was telling us that when she, when she was a teenager, her mom took her because she had really large pores and blackheads. My granddaughter. And that's all they did to her was extract. Two hours. And she like had no. a weird a weird um like film over her nose after it's that. It's like more skin was going over. Mm-hmm. She said. Mm-hmm. Oh that's so that her experience was a lot worse, my granddaughter's less her than your shared. Whatever. Oh you're fine. You only had four. Whatever. But anyway, it was a fabulous experience. Good. And I love Rhonda Allison stuff. It smells so good. And um and I did find out that if I keep going to get facials, you can get rid of all the red on my chin. Yeah, I have so. that up here, so you're lucky it's just safe. Yeah, and then went back to get coffee. Yes. It was a good day. And we and I drove to the destination much easier. Mm-hmm. That was very exciting. Mm-hmm. No here. questions like, where's the park? Where, how do you get to drive? It, where's the deal that makes it change? Like, where's Blaming the... Blaming me because it was Gear shift? The, yes. <laughs> Steering wheel no today. It. Yeah. Yeah. It was good though. And how was your cocoa? It was wonderful. Oh yeah, did you like it? Yeah, you really like Starbucks snickerdoodle. When I said cocoa, though, she didn't know what I meant. She didn't. No, so I so said that's hot why chocolate, I and then she. And there is a difference, by the way. I did not know there is a difference between hot cocoa and hot chocolate. What yeah. is it? Cacao. So hot chocolate is just chocolate, and I think it's with water. Cocoa. Is chocolate with milk. Like one of them has milk and one of them is just water. Mine was cocoa. Uh, how do you say it? Cocoa. Hot cocoa. 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 And then Chrissy, what did she get? She got a rose black tea with cold foam. And it I, looked tasty. It did look tasty, but I'm kind of like you. I don't know if I want to drink rose, but she said it's really good and she likes it better than lavender. I'm going to try it, but not like that. First of all, it's too small. I want a larger dose, um, but I'm not a big, like, herbal tea person. I like herbal teas. I like teas. I don't like tea. I do. Except matcha. I do. I like my matcha. So we highly recommend uh, Ember Sand in Fort Worth and then the salon. Phoenix Phoenix. Salon, yeah. And your facial lady. Is Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. Mine was Kim. And Kim. So, highly recommend them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good peeps. All right. So, tagline. Be, be safe. No. Be smart. <laughs> I mean, we do want you to be safe. Be smart. Be rude. And don't be a victim. I saw the look in my stepson's eyes yesterday. After he had been told for the first time that you see, he's always believed in his heart. I mean, he always wanted to believe that I had never done anything like this. As hard as it may be for you to believe that, there are people who do believe that. And there are people close to me who believe that. And to see the look in his eyes uh, confirm my worst fears. See, he says, could you, he was, he was just absolutely astounded. 
he couldn't understand. And he was writing me questions, just furiously writing questions. I could see that, you know, that he was, you know, how really bewildered he was. And I need to give him a chance to know, and others a chance to know what was really going on, what it was really like for me. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? <coughs> the primary source for this episode is The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy, updated and expanded edition by Elizabeth Kendall, 